RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Pro Athlete Supplementation. Check them out at pas-nutrition.co.uk for all your supplementation needs. And don't forget that subscribers to the Rugby Renegade program get a 40% discount on retail prices. Yes, welcome back to the Rugby Renegade podcast. This is episode 52. My name is Jamie Bain and today I interview Jim Wendler, world-ranking strength and conditioning coach um, and lifter in his own right and creator of the 531 program, which we've used variations of in our online subscription program. Uh, and Jim is currently working uh, in high school football um, and it's really good insights into kind of how he's adapted his his 531 program and his, his approach with you know the the athletes he's dealing with because um, that's what it's all about getting the most out of your athletes not you know creating the world's best program it's adapting on the fly so tons of take homes and of course as always give it a listen and let us know what you think hi jim welcome to the rugby renegade podcast great to have you on why don't we start by you telling us a bit about your background how you got into strength and conditioning and um who you've worked with and the sports you've been involved in uh well i started uh lifting weights when i uh between my seventh and eighth grade year uh, I was, you know, I'm 44 years old now, so I was kind of brought up in the era of, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, you know, being strong was being awesome. It's kind of like I imagine, like when you're like a seven-year-old kid and you see a giant set of boobs, and you're like, you don't know what it is, but you're like, I don't know what that is, but I want that, <laughs> you know. Uh, when I was a kid, well, it's true. Like you're like, I don't know what the fuck those things are, but man, they're awesome. <laughs> and as a kid, that's I was just obsessed with being stronger. And, you know, it did take a genius to figure out you need to lift weights to get there. Um, so I pestered my dad for like two or three years before he let me do anything. And uh, he took me aside and said, well, if you start this, you can't stop. You know, my dad was kind of the old school kind of guy. If you start something, you end something. Oh, you know, you don't quit. And it's been like that ever since. You know, I've been obsessed with it. So initially I started lifting primarily just to of sport, my uh, football. I knew I wasn't the most talented person in the world. At a very young age, I could figure that out. I mean, I don't think anyone who is even remotely smart can look at a guy like Barry Sanders or Roger. These are all football players, but, you know, great Walter Payton, great football players, and think that I I knew I wasn't going to be that. And so I I, I needed needed something to get me ahead, and I knew if I was just bigger, stronger, and better shape, um, I could you know, I'll class a little bit more talent is the best way to say it. So, um, so my first, I don't know, 10 years was all dedicated to getting better for football. And then it was just obsessive about it. Uh, and you know, back, you know, back then I had a really awesome coach in high school who taught me a lot, but that was all I had really access to. Uh, so I did a lot of learning on my own and one of the great things that he did and his name was Darren Llewellyn. He's a, my track coach, my throws coach. Is uh, are you still there? Yep. Yep. Hello. Okay. I just make. Yep. I got all these fucking phone calls here. Anyway, to make a long story short, Darren never really told me exactly what to do. I mean, he helped guide me. Uh, he made me question a lot of things, and you know, he made me defend my position of why I wanted to do something. 
And so it was, it was a real learning experience for me. It wasn't just show, you know, me, uh, just, uh, doing whatever I was told. He, he made me think about it and he made, let me fuck up a lot, you know? And I think that's super important. And the best story I always tell about Darren was when I first went into the weight room, uh, I went into my high school weight room. Now, granted, I wasn't in high school at the time. My dad was a teacher, so I was surrounded by high school athletes. When you're, you know, eighth grader, seventh grade, oh, that was eighth grade. I was very intimidating. And they're all football players. They're all huge dudes. And uh, Darren never said a word. He took me aside and told me, hey, you might want to start doing some straight leg deadlifts. And then another year went by, and then he finally talked to me. And I asked him, like my senior year, I'm like, you know, you never talked to me at all my first year, like once. And he said, well, I have to, I had to make sure you're willing to commit. Uh, because I've helped so many people over the years that, you know, I give them all this time and all this energy, and then they quit after two weeks. I had to make sure you're serious. And that really stuck with me. Uh, you know, you have to kind of earn the right to be taught. And, uh, so from there, you know, I went to college, I played football in college. Again, I had a great uh, strength coach in Dan Worth who, uh, you know, he was incredibly understanding cause I was incredibly hard headed. So he let me do my own thing a little bit here and there. You know, he was open for, well, if you want to try it, man, go ahead. You know? So he wasn't totally, uh, authoritarian about, you know, it's his way or the highway. And I really appreciate that because I see it now from my point of view, it would have drove, driven me nuts. Um, so after football was over, that's when I started going knee deep into uh, powerlifting. And then I did that for five years, you know. And then once I kind of, <clears throat> once I left powerlifting, it was, uh, I kind of had to reevaluate some stuff. And that's when I started really kind of coming in my own. And so I started playing around with different stuff and, and trying to figure out programming and truly trying to understand what, like when I was in high school and college, I was insanely strong and I didn't have any of these fancy programs. I'm like, well, what did I do? And that's where I started developing the 531 program because I was like, well, this is kind of what I did. I just didn't really know what I was doing. And uh, I did that, you know, I just kind of did the online thing and I helped people here and there in the gym. And then eventually I, uh, Started volunteering at my high school here in small town London, Ohio, and uh, at for the football team, and it just completely changed my life. Uh, being around, uh, you know, 50 or 60 kids, uh, and just changing the entire outlook of the program has been amazing. Just by getting our kids a little stronger, a little faster, and a little better shape, we went from being a three-win team one season to making the playoffs the last two years, and and just beating the shit out of people. And uh, I see what a positive difference it can make. It made a big difference in my life, especially in the high school. Uh, when, you know, I always feel like the high school is like the last place to make a real big difference in someone's life. Um, they're still being able, you still mold them a little bit. So that's what I've been doing. So, you know, besides writing books and doing all this stuff online, I've been helping the local football team and it's been the best thing I've ever done by far. Yeah. And uh, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Uh, and for the first time in my life, someone else's training is more important than mine. 
So and I don't feel like such a selfish asshole all the time. <laughs> yeah. So. No, that's cool. That's cool. Now, you obviously touched on 531, and that's probably kind of what, what you're known for, the main program you yeah. you promote. Um, so let, let's talk about, you kind of touched on how, how you developed it, but maybe sort of explain briefly what it is. Don't have to go into percentages or anything, but, uh, but then how you kind of developed it based on what you were doing previously. Uh, the big reason why I started it was I wanted to go back to kind of what I did when I was younger and I didn't want to think about anything at the time. My first son was being born. I was working a ton. I just want to go in the weight room, know what I had to do and just get the shit done and just have a good time and not really think too much about training. So in order to do this, you have to think about training a lot, which I guess is the irony of the whole situation. So it took about two years uh, of, you know, fucking around and screwing things up until I figured out kind of the basics of it. But that's pretty much how it started was just being selfish about it. Like, eh, I'm tired of trying to figure out this and that and this this thing and this thing. I'm just going to have a basic plan and go in. And uh, I started having like a ridiculous amount of success. I had, you know, lost about 30 pounds, 40 pounds from when I was powerlifting, but I was now setting all-time PRs. And I was like, man, this so. And I so I started bringing some of my friends in that were training. And I'm like, you want to, and they saw it, and they're like, yeah, hey, you know, show me what to do. And so I, I experimented on them. You know, I, I effed up a lot. I did some really good things, and that's where the, the program really started taking off. Uh, I had no idea it was going to be as big as it actually became. Uh, because, again, it was just like, well, this is, and it seemed too simple uh, and there's been obviously things that you know, I developed over the years. I started working with more people and I realized, well, we need to change this or change that. But the basic principles that I laid out, I have four original principles and I added a fifth, uh, you know, many years later, I said, as long as I follow these things, I'm going to be okay. So it was never really about the sets and reps. It was about having a basic plan that followed solid principles. And basic, it's just like anything in life. If you have a plan and it's based on solid principles you're going to get there no matter what so does that make sense to you yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah so uh that's how it all started uh again it had no grand plan of becoming bigger than you know than i thought it you know than i thought it would be but uh i'm sitting here today and i'm um, very happy so there you go that's cool um, so you mentioned there that you've experimented and you tweaked with it a bit. Now, what what are some of the changes or tweaks you made for working with athletes? Uh, well, I guess part of it is I should probably say that when I work with – I have a high school athlete, and uh, even the high school athletes, there's a massive difference between a kid who's been in the program for four years and a kid who's in eighth grade who's just starting out. Uh, but in general, we'll just take a, you know, maybe a kid who's been in the program for a year. Uh, one thing we do with our main lifts, our main lifts for the football team are the bench press, the squat and the trap bar deadlift. Um, we don't train those ridiculously heavy. We train those what I call for power. I, and there's a couple of reasons why we do this, but, uh, for a younger athlete, I would rather that they, uh, they don't have enough experience under the bar to get away from a bad or heavy lift. Okay. So let's say you're squatting X amount of pounds and something starts feeling a little wonky. If you've got 20 years experience under the bar, you can get yourself out of it without getting hurt uh, with a 
16 year old kid, that's not the case. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to remove any doubt that they're going to get hurt. We're going to lower the weights a little bit. So we always keep the weights uh, on the main lifts to be very fast. Uh, I want every total control. I say control probably 8,000 times uh, a training session. I just want control. I want mastery of the lift. Uh, um, so that's probably the number one thing. Number two thing is uh, we use a, <clears throat> this is where I got it from, uh, ironically from a rugby coach. And I, again, I don't know the guy's name. I read the article and I was fascinated. We don't use a lot of exercises, even with the assistants. We use very few. And there's two reasons why we do this. One is the kids aren't massively experienced where they need to change anything. They need to learn a few basic lifts. And this includes the assistants and master those. Number two, and this is the most important thing, is <clears throat> when we do the same lifts over and over again, we can get stronger at them, but more importantly, we don't get sore. And not getting sore is a huge thing, especially during the in-season. Okay, So we can now train very heavy during the in-season and not have to deal with the repercussions of, like, oh, my ass is killing me, my legs are tired. Our bodies are completely used to all these lifts, and we're fine. So most of our off-season training is mostly geared to get ready for the in-season training. And it's a little opposite of what most people do. Most people just kind of train in the off-season. And I want our kids stronger in the in-season than they are in the off-season. What's more important, you know? Uh, being stronger in June when you're just farting around or being stronger when you're actually playing the game. Yeah. And it's always you want to be stronger playing the game. So that's how I kind of scheduled everything. Uh so we use very few exercises, which I think is a little bit different than most people do. Um, let's see what else. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I have a whole presentation on this. Um, we don't set records, uh, really, uh, meaning I don't have like a record board. I don't chart. The, you know, I don't have like a 300-pound bench press club or anything like that. And the reasoning behind that is I don't want to chase numbers for the sake of chasing numbers. I just want the kid to get stronger, meaning uh, just because a kid doesn't bench 300 pounds doesn't mean his training is worthless. It just I want if that kid used to bench 50 pounds and now he benches 150. To me, that's just as important because that's my whole goal is not to necessarily get them, quote, strong, is to get them stronger than they were before. And uh, now I, I don't I never have the kids chasing anything. It's usually, you know, either for the coach's ego or for the player's ego. And I just think that's the wrong thing to do, especially at this level. Well, I mean, who gives a shit how much people one rep max when they're an athlete? Mm. So uh, I'll give you an example is, you know, the way that we our starters, uh, like we do on our bench press day, we do dumbbell squats and straight leg deadlifts in between all of our bench press sets. And most of our kids can handle five to eight sets of 10 reps on a dumbbell squat with a 115 to 150 pound dumbbell. That's pretty awesome. Hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, just going through the, going through the steps, you know, kicking ass, having a good time. It's not like a balls out training session. So, uh, we kind of use the assistance lifts to build what we call muscle building armor. Uh, obviously it builds strength too. So, and the third thing that we do a little differently is, uh, I call it, we <clears throat> body build the upper and athlete the lower. And what that means is we are looking for strong, fast, explosive legs, and we're looking for like a bodybuilder style upper body. Uh, and the reason behind this is one, one of the big things is one of the best ways to get stronger is obviously to build muscle, but especially in young kids, 
their upper bodies are so deficient. Um, so I don't worry about how much they bench press. I just want them to build muscle. It helps build some cushion. Um, it helps make them feel better. You know, everyone wants to look a little jacked. Um, so I'm not too concerned with how much weight they lift in their upper body lifts as long as they're getting bigger and stronger or getting bigger and thus as a result they'll get stronger, you know. So, it's, you know, the other thing you have to understand too from a, from a strength perspective, the bench press is always the last thing to get stronger. And it usually has to do with muscle mass, both in the upper back, the lats, obviously in the whole upper body, uh, you know, triceps, shoulders and stuff. So I don't really want the kids to chase numbers and get all depressed about that. So we just bodybuild the hell out of the upper body. So yeah. there you go. I like it. It makes a lot of sense, especially with with that sort of group of athletes you're working with. You obviously know, know your athletes yeah, and, and have and tweaked it, to them. Yeah, the other thing you have to understand is every – field athlete or court athlete or however you want to talk about it they even in the professional level they are beginner lifters they're not just because they're advanced in their sport doesn't mean they're advanced in the weight room yeah and that's another thing i think people get a little wrong too you can have a tremendous basketball player for example but is he a super advanced uh, squatter or deadlifter no he just needs to do a few basic things and eventually he may move on to another level, but you're never going to get a sport athlete who's going to be an advanced lifter because if he did that, then it would take away from his sport development. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah. No, and very I, good I point. People use a lot of advanced modalities when they don't really need to. Yeah. You want to use, I, generally, I, don't, I want to use the least amount of work to get the most amount of effect. Um, so, especially in the weight room. Especially in the weight room. Yeah. They got other shit they got to do. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. And especially in our sport in rugby, there's so many different, depending on what position you are, so many different skills that they need to master and spend time on that there's yeah, so little training time for it or energy to recover Yeah, from. and I'm not in the business of skill development. That's the other thing. My, my job is to make them physically better. The skill, you know, the sport coaches are what work, that's how they work on their skill. And that's the, one of the big things I tell the kids too. You know, we, this just gives you a chance to get better on the field. This is not a guarantee. Um, but if we make their legs stronger, if we make them a little bit faster, if they make them a little more durable, make them in better shape, then they make them more mobile. We can get them in the, the you know, their body in the right position, so to speak, to do the skill work better. But that's not my job is skill development. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, make them, you know, block with a barbell on their back. That's fucking pointless. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, you go. definitely. Um, now going back more to you know five three one maybe the traditional model. Um, yeah. What what are some of the biggest difficulties people have with it um, that you found you you know you've had to sort of help them through? Uh, I think the the biggest thing is putting their ego aside. I thought that and, might be. It. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's normal. I mean, I I did it too. Um, but when you put your ego aside, and I see it with the kids all the time, if. Uh, <clears throat> we found that you can get insanely strong by not using terribly heavy weights all the time. Yeah. And, uh, so once the kids kind of get a taste of that, they can understand it. My first six months was difficult. You had to convince them. Uh, but after maybe I think, uh, we had a couple guys really kind of buy in and everyone's like, Oh shit, look how much difference that, you know, look at how different they look. You know, their weights are just flying up. It's like, man, they were, you know, crushing this, this way today, you know, three months ago, they couldn't do anything. 
And so we had a few kids really buy in that I kind of helped sell it, but it's still a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a, a sell program. Uh, you still have to sell it a little bit, you know, and I'm okay with people not believing it. I just, cause I see what happened when applied correctly. Uh, I see what happened. I just, I'm just not really terribly interested in defending something. <laughs> if that makes sense. If people don't want to follow it, that's cool. Um, I'm, I'm okay with it. And I think I learned an important lesson in life. It's, I think when I was younger, not so much when I did the program, but you know, maybe when I was 20, 25 years old, if I was doing something and someone said, this is wrong, I get all defensive and say, you know, what the hell, this is why. And now I'm like, eh, you know, that's fine. You can disagree with me. I'm comfortable in my position. And I noticed that the people who screamed the loudest and uh, defy they just believe the least if that makes sense to you yeah so yeah. i'm very i you know i know i dude i if you could see that and it's hard to explain uh but just the difference in our community and the difference in the quality of our football is unbelievable and uh now i'm not the only reason why i mean there's been a lot of other things that have happened but uh watching our team just decimate people it's like holy shit we're doing something right yeah, that's great. So, yeah, I should say there's one more thing we do a little differently, too, is we don't kill the kids at all. We train hard, but our kids aren't puking every day. They're not missing weights. Um, I want the kids to have a lot of success in the weight room. Yeah. And uh, so that's I, – I did a video on Instagram that uh, people seem to like. Uh, I, I spent some time looking at some training videos on YouTube. Like, uh, you know, so-and-so's training facility. And they were all, you know, screaming and hollering. And we're grinding it out. And there's no off days, you know. You know, the, all that stuff. And I'm like, man, we have we have a lot of easy days. You know, I'm not. <laughs> uh, sometimes, you know, you can't bury your ki- your kids in the sand. Yeah. And I think part of it is uh, we have uh, our high school only has like 400 kids in it. Okay. Um we can't afford if I had 200 kids in the team, I can afford to make some of the kids really tired because there's always a kid that can play next to them. Uh, you know, right. You know, so if the first guy, first team guy goes out, we can replace him with the second team guy. And there's not much of a difference, but here we don't have that. Uh, we need all the kids healthy and ready. So, I mean, if you're burying the kids in the sand all the time, physically, it just doesn't work itself out very well. So uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, and that, that 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 doesn't that doesn't make good Instagram fodder. <laughs> no, exactly, and and it has to be good for Instagram. Um, yeah. So I guess one of the other questions that I, I'm pretty sure you've probably heard a lot, and is how do you mm-hmm. incorporate power cleans into five three one? Well, I don't do them. I don't do them with our athletes. Yeah. Um, uh, there's probably a couple of reasons why I'll give one. I don't feel comfortable coaching them to a large group. Uh, you have to understand that training people one-on-one is different than training 60 kids with one guy. Yeah. Uh, so there's, <clears throat> it gets a little hairy. Uh, number two is we have kids who come in who can't do a body weight squat. So what the fuck do I care if they can move a barbell? Uh, we have to teach kids how to jump. We have to teach, teach kids how to land first, which is huge, huge. I spent 30 minutes yesterday teaching, uh, seventh and eighth graders how to land. Uh, we also have to teach them basic gymnastics stuff. This is stuff that you know, maybe 
30, 40 years ago we'd have to deal with, you know, uh, doing cartwheels, doing rolls, just body awareness stuff. Yeah. So it's it was one of those things like, well, what are they going to get more out of? Uh, doing PVC cleans or, uh, you know, <clears throat> learning where their body is, is in space and kind of uh, strengthen their legs uh, so they can actually do a bodyweight squat. And you think that's a joke, but it's not a joke. So then I and then we do a, an insane amount of jumping uh, here, too, which uh, I would consider dynamic work. Uh, and uh, so we do jumping, we do uh, bounding and stuff like that. So I think that kind of covers the base. Uh, and uh, how do you structure that sort of stuff, Jim? We start, I mean, obviously we have a general warm-up that we do, uh, both uh, mostly dynamic stuff like... Uh, you know, swing, leg swings, uh, cartwheels, forward rolls, uh, and stuff like that to get the body, the body ready. You do a little bit of static stretching for the hips and glutes, which we that's a big difference in our squat technique if we just kind of stretch those, which I know is heresy. God forbid you static stretch, but you know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm not <clears> – <throat> I'll always – a friend of mine, Alan Koshgrove, had a funny saying. He's like uh, – he went over to Thailand and watched the Thai boxers. And, uh, you know, Muay Thai, yep. he's like, those guys will stretch for two hours and kick your fucking head off. So you think it's <laughs> making them slower. So it, it's just about making the, <clears throat> there's good and bad. There's just, I mean, there's, there's shades of gray and stuff like that. Yeah. And if I can get our kids in better position by doing something, I'm not going to throw it out because, uh, the, the current bullshit says so. So I'm, I'm willing to do that. Uh, and the kids like to do it, which is another big thing. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, and so we, we always start with a general warm-up and do all this stuff, and then <clears throat> we're obviously moving uh, our bodies through space, and then we always start, before we actually start a lift, we always do some kind of jumping. Now, granted, <clears throat> it's tailored to the kids, uh, meaning if I have a 7th and 8th grade kid who can't really jump, we teach them how to land first. We got some kids. We had a kid here who could jump on like a 62-inch box. It's the most insane thing you've ever seen. Yeah. And so he, you know, and he was very strong, so he, he can do something a little more advanced. Um, so, uh, but every workout starts with something kind of explosive. And uh, obviously, box jumps are probably the easiest thing. Uh, they're, they're the least amount of uh, stress because you're not really landing like a depth jump or a drop jump. Uh, and we do some bounding over low hurdles uh, where we're just looking at contact time and looking over total body control. And, uh, which is huge. I'm a big fan of having control because if you have that, you can control your body in, in any way. It's like, uh, Louis Simmons once said, you know, you have to, to be fast. You have to learn how to be slow and be under control. And only then will you be able to apply the force, uh, rapidly, uh, where you need it to be. Um, so, uh, so I, I learned a lot from that. Like, you know, if you're going to teach a kid how to squat, you should be able to hold different positions during the squat. You shouldn't just dive bomb. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so a lot of it is just kind of remedial physical fitness. Um, and I think a lot of people put that well before, or they kind of forget about it. They just expect everyone to be, you know, Soviet era 1970 lifters. <laughs> you know, it's just not the, not the case. Yeah. So, and, and the thing is, is, you know, if I can get the kids in reasonable shape, you know, really good shape, and I get their legs a little stronger and their upper body is a little bigger, we're going to be okay. We're going to be very good. Yeah. Um, and the other thing you have to understand, too, let's just take it from a team sport, okay? 
let's say I got 50 guys in the team, um, and then you have the few outliers, right? The guys who are just fucking freaks. Guys who are 6'3, 250, can run like a 4'5, you know, jump through the roof. Well, strength training is going to help them, but they're going to be freaks regardless of what you do. You see that at high levels of sport. It doesn't really matter that much. But my goal is to take the kid who's kind of the average kid. If I can make him a little stronger, a little better, you know, and it's like I told this one strength coach after a game, I said, my goal is just make my average guy kick your average guy's ass all over the place. If I take all our, because most of the players are going to be average kids. That's just the way it works because they're average. So uh, if I can just make them a little stronger, a little more durable, uh, and give them a little more confidence, it's, you know, the freaks are always going to be freaks. So, uh, you know, I guess it's more catered to the average person than, than anything else. So. Yeah, I should say that that, that's where you're going to make the biggest impact. Yeah, and well, I guess in team sports, you know, there's no point just having a few freaks. Obviously, that helps, but you need you need everyone. If you can increase your your average of the whole squad, if you improve that, then that's that's all of a sudden you've got a bench warmer coming off and kicking ass. Yeah, and it's like, oh, and I've seen it happen dozens of times. Now you take a and I I don't know how many people are going to understand this, but like uh, college football in America is fucking massive, and you have maybe five or six teams that over the past 20 years are always just good. Even in their bad year, they win, they lose like three, t- three games, you know, you're like, Oh, like what a shitty year. You know, you uh, and they have a constant flood of great athletes just coming in, no matter what, just every year they get new guys come in who are just in- insane. And they always say like, well, you know, what are these teams doing? And it's like, well, does it really matter? You know, yeah. I want to see what the team is. That's not that doesn't have the good recruits. What are they doing to be able to compete with these teams? So, but you know, it's, it's, you always want to look at what the, the winners are doing, but you have to understand, are they just winning because they're great, you know, at what they do yeah. or they're winning because they're training. Yeah. So now, this is uh, this is a question we ask all the, the guests on the podcast. Now I know you're not working with rugby players. So you, you might want to just sort of yeah. aim it at your, your guys, but what's the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to assume that, they uh the same mistakes are made here as they're over there uh, for rugby as they are for football um i i think uh, one is like i said i think they put the uh the cart before the horse i think uh <clears throat> how do i put they again they you they're probably using more advanced methods than they should um i think a lot of guys they overtrain the shit out of them um, in America, I think some of the models are broken as far as, uh, and I'll give you an example. And I don't know if this is going to um, hold true, but uh, you guys have your rugby season and then you guys have your off season. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Is that okay? I assume it's. So after the football off season, the kids usually get two or three weeks off and then they go into their off season training mode. And at this point, because they're so far away from the season, they do some pretty insane conditioning stuff, okay? And they're doing all, you know, kids are running everywhere, they're throwing up, they're doing all this shit. Well, when is, <clears throat> when do you, you don't need to be in the best shape of your life nine months before the football season, right? Yeah. And that's when you're least prepared to do all this stuff. Um, 
So, for example, at the end of a rugby season, you're only conditioned to play whatever position you have. Okay. So even if you're a starter, you're only conditioned to do what you're supposed to do during the game. And that's it. You take a couple weeks off in the best running conditioning shape in the world. Um, so I, I think that the, the, their periodization model, their planning model gets a little screwed up. They put the worst, they do the conditioning when they're least ready. Yeah. And, uh, so when our guys, we condition year round, um, we never, we take, we train 51 weeks out of the year. We take one week off after the season. The reason why we're able to do this is because we don't run our kids in the ground at all. Yeah. So we're able to, it's kind of like studying for a test. You can either cram all in one night and retain nothing, or you can study 10 or 15 minutes a day and we're good. And so, you know, our conditioning during the first, I don't know, five or six months of the off season maybe takes 15 minutes, 20 minutes, but we do it. We always do it. No matter what we find something to do. And, uh, I think that is the, one of the biggest things is, uh, we do, I'll give you an example. Let's say you don't condition at all. And then towards the end of the off season, now it's like, fuck, you, you kind of have to uh, play catch up. Now your lifting goes into shitter. And so because you've been running so much, now you can't really train as much. But if you run a little bit every single time you train or however you guys do it or how you know the team does it, then you don't have to play catch up at all. You just have to maybe add a little bit here and there and you're lifting and your kids are able to get stay stronger. And stay, you know, their body weight stays the same. They're not, uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but. Is always the best. So. Yeah. Definitely. And, uh, yeah. So I can go on and on about this shit, but, you know, the, the one thing I've kind of learned is I don't really care too much what everyone else is doing, uh, because I have no control over it. And so I, I, me and the head coach, and that's another thing, I think these strength coaches really need to work together with the head coach. Um, they need to come up with a plan. And that's one of the things is that my the head coach, uh, the football team and I are really good friends. I didn't know him before I started, but we developed an insane amount of trust in each other. And so, you know, we'll talk about stuff. I'm like, man, listen, after watching the kids warm up before practice, I'm like, you're going to have to cut this practice short. The kids just they're exhausted right now. So instead of beating them in the ground, you know, trying to be all old school, like we're fucking Navy SEALs, bitches. It's like, you know, we, we need we need to we need to be smart about this. And does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how the coaching is there, but you know, in American football, there's just still this mentality of we're going to outwork you, not outsmart you. I'd rather outsmart a team. And as an. Uh, uh, we don't condition after practice, which is pretty normal in American football. You, you go through a whole two hour practice and at the end you run sprints to stay in shape. Well, our practice is because we don't have a lot of kids out. The kids are already running for two hours. Yeah. What, what is an extra fucking 30 minutes of running with your head cut off going to do other than make them tired? Yeah. So we cut all that shit out and it was, and it sounds ridiculous. Like it sounds kind of common sense, but it's not here because that's what everyone does. So like our first year we're like, shit, we're going to be okay. <laughs> And all of a sudden, like our kids are performing so well on Friday. And my big thing that I tell everyone is, let's say your name's Jamie, right? Yeah. Jamie. Okay. Jamie, let's say we had a bench press contest on Friday night. That's when we play our games, right? So would it be advisable for you and me to train heavy and do a shit ton of reps Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday? 
No. If we're going to max that on Friday. No. You got to you got to kind of prepare for it. So why wouldn't you treat your players the same way? So everything so that's really working with the head coach. Now sometimes you got to kick your kids in the ass and you have to know when to do that, but uh, like everything we plan around is how can we make the kids ready for football season? For the actual game. It's not trying to fulfill some egotistical thing of we no one works harder than us. And I always say, well, no one works smarter than us. You know, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, and I saw it firsthand. I mean, you see it even early on in the season. The kids are just fucking exhausted. Yeah. Uh, from all the, the crazy two a days and there's, you know, four hour practices in the, in the sun. It just doesn't work like that. So, yeah, definitely. I think two, two points there. The one is, you know, if, if you train really hard, then you've got to recover from it. And so you, you can't do yeah. those hard sessions. Or if you do, the the actual performance level of them decreases over time. Um, whereas if you... Like and you keep say, on digging you, that fucking hole. Yeah. You can't, whereas if you train right? smart, you get, have that recovery and you have more sessions where the intensity of it you know, increases, improves, kind of goes yeah. the other way. And then and the, the other thing is... Dude, carry on. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the, the other thing is that relationship with the coaches. It, it comes up often with the guests on the podcast that you know having that relationship, because ultimately we're and you've said it already. We we drive um, the rugby perform or the the sports performance, not just the stuff in the gym. Yeah, that's. I mean, that, the main goal is to kick ass on a game day, yeah. right? Yeah. So let's work together. I don't. I don't. If something needs to change, I don't get all mad because it's not what I wanted. I'm like, fuck, if the kids need it, man, I'll do anything. I don't care. Uh, Andy, uh, what was the other thing? Shit. Oh, you know, you asked it, you know, even you have to, we account for the other stressors. I'll give you an example is the first couple days of school, the kids always, you know, they, <clears throat> it's a new stimulus. It's a new stressor. You know, the kids are in class for six to eight hours or however the long school is. And so we have to we account for that yeah. because the first year we're like, man, what's wrong with the kids? I'm like, I'm asking, like we're sitting around I'm like, shit, it's the first day of school. Of course, you know, they're yeah. even though it's not stressful, like they're in fucking war or something, it's something new. Yeah. So you have to kind of account for that stuff. Yeah. And I guess and, exams uh, and stuff like that as well. Yeah. 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 During, yeah. So it's the, it's in a lot of it is pretty common sense stuff. And a lot of it can be, uh, you don't need, you know, an advanced degree in neuroscience to, to understand like, you know, kids are a little down right now. You know, who knows why? And, uh, but however, the reason it's, we need to be smart about this. And, uh, so I don't know. I, I guess one of the things that after our really bad season, uh, the head coach and I really just brainstormed, like we got to fucking do something different. And I don't know if you're familiar with the show Seinfeld. Yep. Yep. There's a, a character in Seinfeld, George Costanza, who's kind of like the lovable loser. And one episode, he decides to do everything the opposite. Everything. He ends up with like a higher paying job, a super hot girlfriend. He gets a raise. Like everything just goes his way. And that was my thing. I was like, let's just do everything the opposite. Fuck it. You know, <laughs> can't get any worse. <laughs> so uh, we started really thinking like, you know, I call it uh, you can't serve old ghosts and dead ideas. You know, why, why, was, why do we do this? Is it because it's what's always been done or is it because it actually serves a purpose? And we, when we start looking at that, you're like, man, that's kind of fucking stupid. Let's not do that anymore. And, uh, so, you know, we started doing things a little bit differently. Uh, you know, one of the big things in American football is we have two a days and three a days for about two weeks prior to school starting. So the kids will practice two or three times a day. 
And the old line of thinking was, this was before we had strength and conditioning and all this shit, was the kids need to get in shape. This is the first time they've been doing anything. Okay, so we need to get the kids ready for the upcoming season. Well, we already do that 51 weeks out of the year. So why, why are we practicing two or three times a day? It doesn't make any sense. So we cut that out. We just practice once a day. That's it. Yeah. And our kids are like, man, we feel good. I'm not exhausted. I didn't lose 30 pounds, you know, <laughs> yeah. running around. And I was like, well, is, is, and so that becomes now uh, the sport coaches now have to become better coaches. Like, listen, we, don't, we have limited time now. So let's just figure out a way to coach this so the kids get it right away instead of just screaming and yelling and doing all the bullshit. Like, does this drill mean something or is we just doing this to make the kids tired? And I'm not, not saying there's not a, a reason for doing some of that stuff, but you've got to have a reason to do everything you do on the coaching field. Now, that's a little bit outside my – as I'm not a football coach or anything. But, you know, again, when I'm strength coaching, I have to look at everything like, well, what's the – why am I doing this? Like, is, is there a reason or is it just because everyone else is doing this shit? Yeah. And so like, even when I started with the program with our kids, it took me about a year and I call it, it's like having like a big stone tablet, like a massive eight foot. And you just start chiseling shit away that you don't, you know, know you don't need. So you're carving a statue. So I look at everything. I'm like, well, what's the real fucking point of this? Do we really need this? And, uh, so I went from, you know, maybe, I don't know, 15 exercises all the way down to seven. And uh, it, it, with everything I looked at, I'm like, well, what's the real reason why we're doing this? And if it didn't, I couldn't really justify it. I'm like, let's fucking throw it out. Who cares? Because it, all it is is wasting time. It's very similar to what Abijayev did in the Bulgarian system. He started off years ago with, I think, 15 or 20 exercises. By the time he left <clears throat> the system, he, they did uh, clean and jerks, snatches, and front squats. That was all they did. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying to advocate for doing nothing, but you have, that's not what I'm saying. Like, you know, fuck it, we're just going to squat. No, but you have to have a reason for everything. If it doesn't, fuck it, throw it out. So, yeah. That, I'm telling you, that takes a shitload of maturity, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> because the smarter you are, the more you can justify anything. Right. Like, oh, we need side laterals. Like, do you really need side? And then you could justify it. Like, well, you know, with the brachialis, blah, 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 blah. You're like, eh. so. yeah. The other thing that we noticed, too, I'm sorry. That's all right. Is no. We had a massive decrease in concussions. Massive. Now, part of it might be the training, the way that we train our upper backs and our neck. But also part of it is the kids are less fatigued. When you're less fatigued, your head doesn't slump down. You don't, uh, you're you don't you have some body tension when you're hitting uh but we went from like seven or eight concussions one year to one wow. and you know concussions and shit are going to happen in football and i assume rugby too yeah it's it's uh, a quite hot topic at the moment it seems to be yeah, increasing I mean, yeah. it's, everyone's bitching and moaning about that but if but just by changing our training and not just what we do it's what we don't do that i think actually helps our kids and in that course of training uh, and you know, over the years, we've only had, uh, we've only, I don't think we've had any real injuries other than like freak shit. That's just going to happen naturally. Cause you know, football and I assume rugby, it's a hundred percent injury potential. I tell the yeah. kids all the time, you're going to get hurt. Like you don't bash people in the fucking head and like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, come out without a broken finger or, you know, something bruised or something. So, but we, you know, I think that has a lot to do with not just the training, but with the recovery aspect of being smart about it. 
So, yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Now, obviously, you're dealing with young athletes. What What are your mm-hmm. approaches to them or advice for them uh, around nutrition? That gets a little hairy because I don't control their nutrition. Okay. Um, and that also gets into an economic thing too. Uh, okay. But well, it does because you know you have some families who just don't have a lot of money and uh, it just kind of stinks. Uh, so uh, the first thing I tell them is you you're gonna have to eat like the and I and I know this goes against all the fucking organic jerker offers. <laughs> I just want you to have calories first. If that's all you can afford, just get some something in your body. And if you think that's ridiculous, you under, I've seen in college, I, I remember my strength coach in college said this, they had some nutritionists come in and said something about, well, do you guys eat, you know, promote vegetables and stuff? And he looked at her. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, if our kids eat a large pizza and drink beer, I'm fucking happy. Cause at least they're. Wow main thing is the kids just need to eat okay so before we go into all the macronutrient bullshit uh that's the reality of the situation and then people don't want to accept it you know so instead of talking about organic chicken just say you know what it's probably so number one thing is i tell the kids to eat number two you can control what time you wake up and what what you eat for breakfast because that's something you can control because uh so I said, just at the very least, have as big of a breakfast as you can because you you can get up early. You can make eggs are cheap. Uh, you can have some oatmeal. I don't give a shit, but it's got to be some kind of protein. I want some kind of fat, uh, and then enjoy whatever carbs you want. Uh, and then at <clears throat> at dinner, the kids usually do a pretty good job at dinner. With the lunch stuff, you know, I, <clears throat> it gets a little hairy. But I even with some of the kids who. Uh, have trouble i just tell them listen if can you bring some string cheese can you bring some uh peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to you know between eat between your classes because these kids are so some of these kids are so skinny it's again you know an extra a thousand calories which is about two peanut butter sandwiches and jelly sandwiches makes a huge difference uh because if you don't do that then let's say they don't eat breakfast they barely eat lunch they're not even eating until dinner time and that's just not gonna cut it Mm. So it's more of about control your breakfast because you know you can you can get that in. Try to eat something throughout the day uh, and snack, uh, you know, between uh, classes and stuff. And then at dinner, just you know, eat as much as you can. And the other thing is, I tell the kids to salt their food, uh, which uh, the kids that listen seem to do a pretty good job of it. We had one kid uh, went full on vertical diet. Uh, by Stan Efferding. Holy shit, did he get big and strong. Holy cow. Unbelievable. This was a kid, though, that you tell him to do anything. He's like, fuck it, I'll do it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, I'll, and he watched, you know, he got the book, watched all the videos, and uh, figured it out, and uh, just completely committed to it. And, uh, I mean, it was insane. So, but you're not going to get all the kids like that. Yeah. That's just not, not the reality. And, uh, so. I guess the the main thing is you got to eat and just eat breakfast. That's okay. the number one things I say. Cool. Okay, Jim. Another question we ask all the guests yeah. on the podcast is: What advice would you give to an upcoming strength coach? Oh <laughs> uh, boy, <laughs> I think the number one thing. There's two things I would say. One is uh, strength train yourself. Like uh, understand what it feels like to have a bar on your back. What understand what it's like to feel fatigued. 
uh, I, you know, as an example, uh, remind me that I have a second point here. Yeah. As an example, uh, let's say I played, I didn't train at all right now, right? For the last 10 years, I didn't really do anything. So I go in, I coach the team, and I, I think a lot of people tend to romanticize their past. So I'll be, I'd say something like, man, when we pushed the prowler or did sleds, we did it till we died, you know, all this shit. And they lose this sight that this shit's fucking tough sometimes. Like your legs are tired. And so I still do stupid shit to myself all the time. So I understand what the kids are going through. I can, you know, I can be empathetic to their situation that sometimes after you squat, you know, doing sprints sucks. Um, I think that's the number one thing is you have to understand kind of how the body works and understand it by using your own body. Um, and number two, for young guys, I think you have to do some kind of internship under someone. And it doesn't have to be under the greatest coach in the world. Just learn something. And if you don't learn what to do, you learn what not to do. Uh, now, for I, I guess it's kind of hard to say, like, what do you consider a strength coach? I always think consider a strength coach in charge of teams. You know, that's different than a personal trainer. Uh, as a strength coach, you know, it, it, you have to know a lot but you also have to be a very good communicator you have to understand how to develop personal relationships with people uh, i think that gets no one ever talks about that like what does it matter if i know how to program if i don't know how to coach yeah. if i don't know how to teach the basic lifts if i don't know how to communicate with my athletes if i don't know how to understand each kid and some kids you know respond a little bit differently um how do i know like if i'm in a room of 50 kids i can't get all their can't get all their attention and respect uh, when I need to get something done. Um, so I think all that stuff, and that's something you can learn because it'd be the first time I ever went in front of, you know, 50 kids. I'm nervous as shit. Right. Uh, <clears throat> cause you have to learn how to control an audience. It's much like being like a stand-up comedian. Like <laughs> I can imagine how tough it can be. So you need to, I think you need to intern or, uh, we have graduate assistants over here, um, and just get your foot in the door that way, because no matter what you think, whatever job in the world it is, it's always about who you know. And if you can get your foot in, you continue your education uh, with training and stuff, you'll get many more opportunities than just sitting on the sideline posting pictures on Instagram and wonder why no one gives a shit about you. So, and then of course, of course, you're going to have to have something of substance. Um, you can only operate so long on your six pack abs. Like you got to be willing, you have, you have to be good. It's like a years ago, I, I was sitting around one time and I was talking to these people and they were talking about, you know, writing books on the internet and getting an audience and stuff. And I'm sitting there listening to everyone. And I'm like, does no one really mention having a good product? Isn't that pretty much the best thing you could do is have a kick-ass product and then learn how to market it? Because, and I'll give you another good example is, uh, someone asked me recently about girls on Instagram showing their asses and their tits and all that stuff. Right. And like, well, it's hard to compete with the, like another female was saying, well, it's hard to compete with that. And I said, listen, like they're going to get more likes and I get it, but that's not a sustainable business model for someone who's serious about this. You're going to last until you're 30 or 35. And then it's just going to be a lot of weird filters. And uh, <laughs> it's just not a, it, you know, a sustainable business model. So you still need something of substance. And a lot of that comes with just, again, uh, getting yourself in front of people, training, understanding coaching. Uh, so 
you know, I, I, I kind of lucked out on, I don't want to say I lucked out because I worked fucking hard. Like I was obsessive about all this stuff, but I think, you know, it favored me because I worked so hard. Like when the opportunities came, I jumped on them because I was ready, you know? So, uh, and it's taken, you know, eighth. So by the, I have a very obsessive personality. I know you don't know me, but it's just, it's kind of, it's borderlines and weird. And I think it does. I mean, my parents, my, luckily my parents are very good about it. You know, like, well, yeah, that's who you are. And, uh, they still can't believe I was able to make a living doing this. Like I couldn't fucking shut you up. Uh, and, uh, so that's taken me, you know, oh, Jesus, uh, 30 years. And I, you know, I, someone asked me, I've been doing this for five years. I'm like, dude, five years. I was 18. And I didn't know shit. You know, I wouldn't trust myself, <laughs> trust the team to me when I was 18. So it just takes time, man. And, uh, so I, I guess the, again, a part of it has changed because of social media and part of it's like, I don't know what people define as a strength coach anymore. I think maybe my definition is a little bit different than just an online trainer yeah. or whatever, but training is a whole nother ball game when you personal train. Cause that's very difficult too. Yeah. So no, ton, tons of great there. advice. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, training, you got to sit there and listen to fucking people. It's like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> No, tons of great advice there. And are there any uh, books or resources you'd recommend? Anything that? Yeah, I, I, I... it's books and shit like that. Yeah, or uh, anything what... that you know uh, sort of open doors for you, change your thinking about stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's an opportunity I mean, to say I've, your I've, own I've, stuff then, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but I, that would be hypocritical uh, <laughs> because. Uh, the majority of my knowledge came from training yeah. and observing. Uh, one of the great things I did uh, when I was a kid was shutting up a little bit and watching. And uh, so, of course, I was reading. But the other thing I think people do a little bit with reading is they read too much, too many books instead of reading one book 30 or 40 times. And yeah. I think that's when you, things start settling in a little bit, at least with me. I've probably read the same book you know, 8,000 times. I don't know. I'm making that up. But uh, I, I just think that uh, I'll never forget this. We had, uh, we hired like this, we bought a property next to our house and it was just shitty. So we had to hire a, a, a company to come bulldoze a lot of the the shit off there and, and level it out. And they planted some grass seed and stuff. And the guy that did it, He's like, dude, uh, I didn't realize who you were. My friend's a huge fan. And I was like, oh, you know, that's really cool. And uh, he's like, he's, he said, well, my buddy reads like three books a week. Like, How long have you been doing this stuff? You know, the uh, landscape industry. He's like, ah, 25 years I've been doing it. I'm like, how much did you learn from reading the book? And he's like, uh, and he looked at me he's like, ah, shit. Should I tell my buddy this? I'm like, no. <laughs> Uh, so most of your knowledge is really going to come from doing, you know, action, whether that be coaching or training yourself. And, uh, you know, one of the, even when I was at Westside, I would just watch Louie and I'd watch the other lifters and you could learn a ton just from, uh, just from observing and knowing what to look for. And, uh, so, and I was, when I was coaching at the university of Kentucky, the same thing, you know, you just you kind of sit back and observe and see all the different coaches. When you go to seminars and stuff, like, uh, 
it was always interesting because a lot of when you go to like these big conventions bullshit stuff it's a, like a lot of people just slapping each other on the back because they have the same ideas hmm. and when i listen i'm like well i i'm always listening for the one thing that i don't understand or maybe i'm not that good with i'm like oh okay i see what he's doing there and i think one of the things is i have a very i'm very principled in how i live my life and how i do my programming and so when i hear an outside idea i don't trash everything that i already believe in because i know what I do works. I just like, well, how does this fit into what I do and how can I work with that? And it's all, it can, if you have a solid base of belief, you can take in any kind of information and implement it without throwing away everything. Yeah. You know, it's like, be, like becoming like a one year, you're a fucking Christian, another year, you're a Buddhist, another year, you're a Muslim, another year, you're an atheist. It's like, man, you got to have some kind of belief system and then work, work from it. So, yeah, no, definitely great there advice. Um, and then, Jim, lastly, where can people yeah. um, hear more more from you, learn more about you, and uh, have you got anything coming up you want to talk about? Is it North of Vag uh, lifting competition? Is that right? Am I? Yeah, yeah. yeah we, I've been teed uh, up a bit. That, yeah, that was uh, a friend of mine, Phil Stevens, has been bugging me for years about doing something. And, and a bunch of my buddies, uh, two of my best friends, we would do our own little old man meets. We would they'd all fly in here and uh it, it's just an excuse for a bunch of friends to get together and lift and then we just like eat shitty food and watch movies uh it's like you know sleep away camp for uh old dudes <laughs> so we started doing that and it was awesome because like there was no rules it was just like you know i want to try and deadlift 500 for five that's my goal so it wasn't like you know we had a strict competition or anything so it kind of caught on a little bit and then uh my buddy Phil, he's been pestering me for years about doing something, and uh, so we're doing a meet in Kansas, uh, which where that's where Phil has an amazing gym there. He does a tremendous job, and uh, we got like you know tons of food trucks. We got the beer vendors. Uh, we have cash prizes. Uh, we have, uh, and we're like doing the the, iron, the Buffalo Bar, which is the you know, slight cambered bar. Yeah doing that as a squat we're doing the press the strict press the standing press and we're doing the trap bar deadlift as our our lifts and uh there's no weight classes and there's no gender classes it's just by everything's by coefficient so we we kind of removed all the bullshit that i think is kind of horrible uh not horrible it's just everything just was a fucking nightmare and it really i just want people to have fun again with lifting that was one of the things that we did here. It's like there's no real rules. Just you perform at standards and you tell your buddies what the standards are and they'll, they'll say, all right, it look pretty good. Um, it's like when I see a guy bench press 500 to meet and maybe comes up a little crooked, gets turned down. And it's like, eh, I still bench 500. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like uh, as far as I'm concerned, that guy bench 500. So it's, it's more about just enjoying the, the process of lifting and training and stuff like that. And then uh, I – you know, we have the website, jimwonder.com. We have blog updates maybe once a week. Uh, we, I think my wife does one or two newsletters um, a month. We don't really, I don't like to smash people with stuff. Because uh, I, I never, I would, that would drive me nuts. And uh, one thing I've prided myself on is we, we try to do a very good job of being honest and not being salesy. Um, I, I know my audience and I know what I like. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, I'm a very, you know, I do like maybe one Instagram post uh, every two weeks and stuff. So sometimes I do Q&As on there, which are incredibly fun for me because it's just, uh, you know, I, you, I'm sure you're on Instagram. I, I can't type that fast on Instagram. You can't give like, you know, massive answers. So it, it forces me to be very fun, you know, like, uh, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have a blast on that stuff. Just kind of being, you know, whoever I am. So. I don't know. I, I, I guess my final words is I, I just uh, I hope people find some kind of peace and purpose uh, wherever they are, whatever they're doing. I hope they enjoy their freedom. That's something I've been, I, uh, I love more than anything is having the freedom of being where I am right now, uh, living where I am right now. It's, it's awesome. So I wouldn't give this shit up for anything. So, and the other thing I guess is the best, uh, I, I tell this to the kids. I said, if anything, let me be a role model that you don't have to follow so-called the traditional route to happiness. And yeah. I was able to find my own happiness. Uh, so I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Jim. Um, we'll yeah. of course share, share links to your, your Instagram and your website thank you in very the show much. notes, of course. But, um, yeah, thank you for your time. It's been great talking to you. Some, some great. Yes, insights. sir. Um, and yeah, all all the best with uh, with everything in the future. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Jamie. I appreciate you having me on. Okay. Cheers, Jim. So there you go, another great podcast. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Of course, if you did, and if you know anyone uh, you think you would find it helpful and enjoy it as well, please share it with them. Um, we'd like to thank Jim for coming on the podcast. Some great um, great insights and work he's doing and the program he's he's created. Uh, I love the bit about how kind of going against the status quo just because all the other teams do extra conditioning at the end of a session um, if they felt they wouldn't get anything out of it they canned it and they actually found that the players were fresher staying injury free being able to train more regularly and perform better so um, yeah it might be worth looking at what you're doing are you doing it just because that's what everyone does are you actually getting things out of it um, it's really important to keep looking at what you're doing your programs your processes and see how you can how you can tweak them and whether you're just doing things for the sake of it or whether you're really getting things out of it. So um, some great points there. Um, and of course, to hear more podcasts, please uh, subscribe to us and give us a five-star review on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, whatever you listen to podcasts on. Uh, make sure you don't miss any more upcoming podcasts. And of course, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.